And a pleasant good Monday morning to all of you out there, ladies, gentlemen, fanatics of all ages, all of our friends. Thank you once again for tuning in to this week's episode of Philly's Therapy. My name is Paul Boyer, joined as always by the Athletics' Matt Gelb. Coming off of a weird, wacky, wild, and wonderful series win against the New York Mets over the weekend. They probably didn't deserve it, but you know what? They won it, and that's what matters. The Phillies are 40-37 and 37 after whatever that was. <laughs> they are now heading out into the middle of the country for a little quick three-gamer against the Cubs before coming back home at the end of the week to play the Nationals. Now, mercifully, they get to skip Marcus Stroman this week, which is nice, and then they play the Nationals, who are the Nationals. So maybe this is a chance to bank a few more wins. And Matt, hello, first and foremost. How are you? How was your week? I'm still wondering about Buckshow, Walter. Me too, man. What's going on? It's the same stuff from 10 years ago with Zach Britton. Yeah, and some of it is like roster construction, right? I mean, there's only a couple of relievers on, on this roster they trust, and they brought Drew in... Smith suspended, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, like they brought in a guy who was like going to go to med school and sign as an undrafted free agent, and he pitched two <laughs> scoreless against the Phillies, and you're thinking, <laughs> okay, I mean, it's like, you know, as a whole, I mean, it was I thought it was a rather terrible series for the Phillies. Um, oh, yeah. They, they probably should have been swept. It wasn't great. Uh, you know, they, they, they really scored all their runs via two drop fly balls on Friday night. Uh, Saturday, they, you know, really let Scherzer off the hook. And Sunday, uh, they sent 10 men to the plate in an inning, had one hit, and scored four runs. So, uh, you know, I don't know. But these are games the Phillies have lost in the past, and instead the Mets lost them. So uh, you, you take it for what it is, and uh, you go to Chicago, which... I feel like <laughs> it makes you think of the last time they went to Chicago. And that was like, you know, really, truly a low point of last season. And it was with like, you know, two and a half weeks left. And Absolutely. After Chicago. Morrell. Yeah. Yeah. After Chicago, uh, life changed quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, man. Like I, they, they're winning so ugly that it, it's hard to get like too excited about <laughs> when they do. You know, we're talking about five straight one run wins over this this stretch where they've gone, you know, eight and three stretching back to the the middle of the Arizona series. And it's like. You you can only count on that for so long, right? It's why some of us are looking at the Marlins and thinking like, oh, that's going to crack and crumble eventually. You can't win that many one run games, have that just be the basis of your identity. And it's not even just the one run wins because you know that that's fine if you're winning close games typically you're getting good pitching when it matters or you're getting a nice hit when it matters and things are going right you are still winning the game but i think when you look at this team as a whole and you look at the way they've played over the last week and a half now they have this winning record and they're getting back into the you know not really the division race they're solidifying their standing in the wild card race and it's just not inspiring a ton of confidence because it seems like ironically enough the sum of its parts has been greater than the whole if we can twist that saying around a little bit there are so many things that are just not quite going right and things that just should be better if you want this team to really 
make itself a contender or 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 improve its standing. You know, I I look at I look at Bryce Harper in particular, right? The the guy who always draws the eyes, who always draws the attention and who needs to be playing well, you would think for this team to continue to contend. And you look at what's been happening with him. It's now 25 games since his last home run, which is absurd to think about. Longest of his career. It's ridiculous. He hasn't been a complete vacuum, you know he got you no know, he i mean he's drawn some big walks i mean he, he is first, you know he drew a walk to start that eighth inning right you know 354 is his on base percentage in those 25 games again that's not nothing that counts for oh. something yeah but his slugging is 280 <laughs> we're talking yeah, about price harper here for a 25 um, game stretch i mean that yeah is just, it's very it's gotta weird. be the lowest i'll look this up but yeah that's gotta be the lowest 25 game stretch slug of his career so, so matt the, the thing that concerns me about this i guess isn't so much a physical thing because he's still getting in the lineup he's, he's still taking his hacks he doesn't really look physically uncomfortable when he swings he's not you know striking out a ton he's striking out what seems normal for him what seems normal for bryce harper you know somewhere between 20 25 percent that's fine what's getting to me i think and we saw this over the weekend when he got ejected he seems frustrated by this and that's not typically been his thing. Like he, he doesn't, he, he plays with his heart on his sleeve and I get that, but when he's been a little bit less productive, we haven't really seen moments like, I, I think it was maybe Friday or Saturday when he got ejected. Um, when it just bubbles over, because again, it's not like he's been a zero, but something isn't right. And I think we can sense it and it seems weird to feel him, or to see him almost kind of tacitly acknowledge that something just feels off. Is there anything that you can see um, that seems just different? I don't really know. It's so confusing to me because it's a player you don't expect this from that. I'm trying to find an answer that might not be so evident. His time is just off. I mean, he has Mm. so many balls on the ground and that's why I think he, you know, he, he ended that, eighth inning on Sunday against uh, Vinny Natoli, Philly's legend. And uh, <laughs> he, he got a pitch to hit and he hit it. He hit it pretty hard. It was a, ends up huh. being a, you know, a kind of like a deep fly out to center field that ends the inning. And I was watching Bryce and like, he comes, you know, he doesn't, I don't think he ever got to first base. He comes to first base and he just puts his hands like his, both of his hands over his face and looks up to the sky. Like he was really upset. Mm. Cause I think he thought he should have hit that pitch out, but I thought, it was sort of encouraging because he got in the air and like, he has not been doing that. And I don't know. I mean, he's still like, you look at some of the underlying stats, right? Paul. And like the exit velocity is, is, you know, right. It's close to being there. Yeah, like the good. barrel rate is pretty good. Like, yeah, is all of the expected numbers are good. Uh, I, I would say I'm not, overly concerned yet what i would say this is that like he just really really needs to hit one over the wall mm-hmm. he needs to hit one over the wall and yeah. i feel like everything will be better for him and for the phillies uh i, I don't know when it's gonna happen or how it's gonna happen because he's been trying for you know the better part of a month to hit one over the wall and hasn't i think when he hits one over the wall and sees it goes over the wall i feel like everything will be better for him well you'd think so I mean, I think back to the end of last season when he was struggling similar, coming into the playoffs, right? Yeah. yeah. And then he parks it in St. Louis and it's just like, all right, see ya. Yep. He took off and, and that became was the it. best player in the world. 
and that was it. Yeah. Um. So yes, I, I would I would agree with that. I would think we just need the one. It's sort of like what we've been doing all year with Turner, right? You're just you're waiting for the game for t- the the game Turner takes over. Maybe Sunday was it. I don't know. I, I think feel Sunday like we've done was this. it. I wrote about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've <laughs> done this two or three times now. But I know, I know, and I've I acknowledge that. But I think there was it was interesting to hear him talk about all the work he'd done like the two days prior and leading into that first swing, which he thought was the best swing he's taken all year. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was the hardest hit ball he's had in almost two months. So that's something. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, the lineup as a whole needs the pop, right? Uh, Yeah. We're (laughs) look, look, we're talking about about this. Can I, can I give you a good one? This is, they've hit one home run in the last two weeks with a runner on base. That's just, that's not, not going to get it done. <laughs> no. And when you're talking about how it just doesn't feel right, I yeah. can point to one thing, Paul. They're not hitting home runs. That's not why it doesn't homers. feel right. Yeah. And yeah. like. Uh, not just Harper. Yeah, right. And I never thought about. I, I've never thought about in this term until uh, Robert Orr, the, the fine writer for Baseball Perspectives, tweeted about this over the weekend. And he's, he's like, it's basically like a basketball offense that can't hit threes right now. Yeah. And I never thought about it like that. And. uh I'm kind of a hoops head. I don't know if people know that, but uh, it is such a great analogy. That is what the Phillies are right now. I mean, it just, it takes them so many walks and hits strung together to get any kind of rally or in any, or if it's against the Mets, it's like a bunch of walks and hit batters, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it's just not a great way to be living. No. And it is why it doesn't feel right because man, the pitching has been, you know, on a, uh, on an aggregate. I mean, it's been fantastic. Like yeah. Their rotation has really stepped up. And this is why it is a team game, right? I mean, like there's going to be periods of the season where certain units are not going good and others are. And the pitching has really, specifically the starting pitching, has really picked up the offense here because yes. it has not been good. And there will be a stretch in the, uh, you know, near future, I'm sure, where the rotation is kind of shaky, but then they start hitting home runs and they win crooked, you know, weird games. And so, uh, I don't know, but I mean, I think you, it is reasonable to look at the roster and the lineup right now and wonder like, where is that power going to come from? Well, I mean, I'm just looking at the the table of the offense right now and all these things. And Kyle Schwarber is leading the team with his 20 home runs. And that's great. Nobody else is in double digits. It's do you know just... how many, do you know how many Braves players are in double digits, home run, double digit uh, home runs already? Oh, it's gotta be at least five, seven, seven. Yeah. Like, <laughs> even the guys who aren't performing well or who weren't performing well at the start of the year, you know, you look at somebody like Michael Harris, right? Like he, he has six home runs all of a sudden he's going to make his way into the double digit club. I'm surprised Orlando Arcia doesn't have 10 home runs the way he just shows up and <laughs> clocks the ball. And then you have the rest of the lineup. Matt also, it seems like all he does is hit home runs. If he gets a hit, I think I saw a fact five of his last six hits have been home runs. And it just, it's frustrating. It's time. It's time to stop comparing to the Braves because it's very clear that like, well, yes. the Braves are the best team in the league. They might be the best team in baseball. They are a machine, and they're going to win the National League East. They're going to be the favorites, most likely going into the playoffs to win the National League. Uh-huh. And you can totally see why they're on a different. Yeah. They're in a different class right now, and it's everybody else in the National League. And just. It, Yes. All right. The comparison probably should stop. I agree with you. No, no, no. I mean, it's, it is stark though. I mean, you look at it and, and you just kind of, 
shake your head. I mean, it, it, it's it's crazy the kind of level that they're at right now. I, I think the thing that, that gets to me is I look at the Phillies, the way they're constructed, and I feel like even though they don't have a lot of guys who you would expect to hit 30 home runs, they have a couple, it just feels like they should have a little bit more pop than they've had. Because you look at, you know, even Nick Castellanos, who has been the team's best hitter, probably you could say, throughout the full season. He's been the most consistent for sure. He's only got nine home runs. Now he's got 23 doubles, and that helps. But he's not in double digits yet. That's a guy you could expect, you know, 30 home runs from. He's got the size. He's got the strength to do that. He has done it. And then nothing else. You know, Harper only having three home runs in his half of a season. 200 play thus far. Yeah, 200 yeah. play appearances. Like, that's weird. But even Turner... You might have thought Turner could have 10 by now. You might have thought JT could have 10 by now. You certainly would have hoped Alec Bowman would be slugging higher than 401, uh, given you know the offseason storylines around him and the way he looked to start the year. It's just one of those things I find myself wondering, like, is it... Uh, I don't like dipping my toe in this water, but I'm just going to think out loud. It, like, is it something to do with conditioning? Like, are they? Is it the point of the season where they're losing that bit of strength like the players usually do where they hit the middle of the year toward the later end of the year. And it's just like the, the grind is really setting in and they, they lose a little bit of what they put on over the, the, the winter coming into the season. Like I'm just trying to figure out why some of these guys who are strong and have game power are not seeing it translate this year the way we would hope. I don't know if you can make any sort of like sweeping, assessment about the lineup as a whole i I think it's an individual thing like you mentioned castellanos and yeah does he have the capability of hitting 30 home runs sure but i look at him and i see a guy who's more of a gap to gap hitter at this point and and that's not Mm. to diminish the value of that no not i think there's a lot of value in that he's slugging almost 500 i mean it's just different kind of slug it's not going to be it's not i mean i don't think he's gonna hit 25 he may not even hit 20 i don't know uh home runs but he might get 40 doubles and I don't know. I mean, there, there is some value there, but it, but it's okay. So you kind of cross them off and now you're looking like where, where can the power come from? And um, I look at the corners in the infield as to me, the most concerning spots. Yeah. And you mentioned Bohm and I think Bohm at this point um, there, there has to be a reasonable amount of concern about, you know, what this guy is and who he is and, and what you can expect moving forward uh with Bohm. And yeah. it's just, you know, it's it's right about where he was last year, right? Uh he's slugging 401 right now. He slugged 398 last year. And so now we're talking about a sample size of 899 plate appearances, right? 900 Oof. plate appearances essentially. And he's a 400 slug guy. And that's fine. Uh but if he's not an elite defender, which he's not. No. And if he's not an elite on base guy, which he's not, which he's not. Oh. you're kind of left with a replacement level ish player. And mm. you probably need more than that. I mean, but you can carry a guy like that if you're getting, you know, above replacement level at other positions. And right now, you know, Stott's been a, a, a really solid find at second base. Like he's playing great second base, first of all, and he's hitting for average. He's also yes. not going to be a guy who hits for power. Yeah, um, but he's been solid. And Turner, if he's who you think he'll be in the second half, you know you're above replacement level there. So that's fine. You're getting good production up the middle. 
you know, center field Marsh is, you know, not what he was in April. We didn't expect that, but he's still overall uh, above replacement level player. Real Muto is Real Muto. So you're solid up the middle. And now you look at the corners and the corners on the infield, especially are a place where the Phillies need to find some power. And yeah, I just, I don't know if it's going to come from Alec Bohm. I mean, like, what do you, what do you, is Alec Bohm is the version of Alec Bohm we see right now? Is that who he is? Well, here, here's the thing that troubles me. And you even extend what you were just talking about beyond and go back to 2021, where he slugged 340, 342 yeah. to be exact. Like it's it's a huge sample at this point. And I, I'm, I'm my wish casting is over. I think we now need to think a little bit more about the hard facts of the situation and what you might be able to do. So his slugging back to 2021, 1,300 plate appearances is 381. Not and good. that won't get it done, like you were saying. That that will that will not get it done. I don't really understand. Context, what, yeah, yeah and for like, context, the Phillies rank Phillies first base, and, and Baum is played but bounce around, so it's hard to. Yes, you know, so you have to look at both spots. So first baseman, the Phillies are tenth in slugging in the National League, and third baseman, the Phillies are twelfth in slugging in the National League. I mean, that is a difficult profile to carry when you're a team that is looking down you know, that is built around power. Yeah, and his his strikeouts have gone down, which is good. And some of that contact has been more in the air than on the ground, which is also good. But it hasn't been solid contact, so it's been more easy flyouts, which is not great. The the thing that really stings now, and again, another Braves comparison. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> what what Alex Anthopoulos is so good at is maximizing the value of his chips without overexposing them. You look at somebody even like Apache, who jury's still a little bit out, but maybe Shea Langoliers, who is okay, but not really doing that well early on out in Oakland. Um, they were the two main chips for Matt Olson, right? I so know you where were, you're going at here. Yeah. Right. What what is Alec Bohm's value to any club right now? That that sounds so harsh, and I, I hate it because I know the guy works hard, and I'm I'm sure this is as frustrating for him as it is for some of us to watch. But we now have this massive sample of plate appearances. We are looking at a a big, significant body of work at the major league level, and you have a corner guy who, like you said, is not an elite defender. He fl- he flashes some good plays at third and first base, but he's not an elite defender who is not an elite on base machine and who does not have game power, significant game power. What do you do with that? You, he is, he is not an elite trade. He's not a blue chip for, for trading. He is sort of inflexible on a roster that desperately needs to create designated hitter space for other guys ahead of him. Uh, what do you, what do you do with that? Can you, I mean, do you have to just keep playing him until yeah, somebody's just like, all right, we'll take a chance. Like what? Like what? What do you do? I mean, that's literally the yeah. Your only your your only recourse right now is to keep playing him and hope that it improves. And if it doesn't, then um, you cut bait. I mean, I think they probably yeah. missed the boat on trading him. I mean, there was a lot of I think so chatter yeah. about that. I mean, there was chatter coming out of twenty twenty two spring training. I mean, he was available like to anyone. Um, right. And you'll recall that it feels like forever ago. But I mean, out of twenty twenty two spring training, he had a, a really rough spring, and his yep. confidence was not yep. there. And um. You know he was in a position. Uh, you know he was in a roster fight with Bryson Stott and ended up both making the team, of course. And um, you know then you have the three-hour game, and then you know then there's the turnaround. And 
I'll give him credit. I mean, he's, yeah, his defense is better. I mean, like it's, Absolutely. it's definitely yes. better and, and, um, but it's still not average. It'll always be below average. And so, yeah, I mean, I think you've missed the boat on, you know, like a, like a trade. And I think your only recourse is to just keep trying to make the adjustments and hope that something sticks. Um, I, it's disappointing. Cause I mean, I think, uh, this is a guy who's drafted where he was third overall for a reason. And we saw, we've seen bits and pieces of it over time. Um, we just haven't seen him put together the package for more than a month at a time, right? The, the complete package. And, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cons right now to the idea of Alec Bone being a viable everyday player in the big leagues, as opposed to the pro, as opposed to any pros. What are the pros right now? I don't know. <laughs> He's young. Yeah. He has a good, you know, pedigree. Um, it's uh, it's not good, and this is just a snapshot in time. And we, for all we know, we see a better version of Bohm in the in the coming weeks. But uh, the overall picture is a concerning one. And it, and it, and again, it's because you mentioned it, Paul. I mean, the roster is rather inflexible, and <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think there's been a lot of like there's people. You know, if you're looking way down the line, there's been a lot yeah. of thought about like you know how much the Phillies missed Reese Hoskins right now, right? Sure. That right-handed power in the middle line, and it's like if you were going into 2024 and Hoskins is healthy and you're going to get you know a decent version of Hoskins, which again we're all making assumptions here. Right. Who would you rather have on your roster, Hoskins or Bone? Well, I, I I take Reese, of course. Even with the positional inflexibility. Yeah, because I I think I think what we're looking at here and, and <laughs> this coming winter I think is going to be very interesting, but that's probably a topic for you know closer to that winter. Just looking ahead, uh, I I did think this coming into 2023 that there was going to be a little bit more change, and that didn't necessarily take shape. But I think this coming winter. Uh, some changes are probably ne- going to need to be made. But if you're bringing Reese back, then how are you going to make this thing work? Because you've got well, Schwarber exactly. needs to be DH, and you've got Harper who could be a first baseman or a right fielder or DH. I mean, I you know, it, 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 Bone playing at least like a passable third base, you know, is what makes him sort of important to the Phillies right now because there's not really anyone else who does that. Yeah. Look, I, I think what happens is my pet theory based on nothing – is that I don't know if Schwarber comes back. So look, it's complicated. But I think, I think for in the immediate term, in the immediate term, and I think this is what complicates the plans around, you know, the the theory going around that Paul Goldschmidt might be a trade target or somebody no. who's just like first base. I'm like, no, because we're talking about roster and flexibility, right? If If the plan is... Paul Goldschmidt say you want to acquire him. First of all, you have to get the outlay to acquire him because he's a really good player. And what are you trading to get him first and foremost? Then you bring him onto this roster. Assuming you didn't part with any of your regulars at the major league level. How do you fit all of that? What do you do with Bohm? What do you, what do you do with Bohm? You play him at third base every day. I, I don't know if that's their plan. I don't know if that's something they're comfortable with. And then what happens to Sosa? I, I can think I give, so can I give you a hot take? Well, sure. The Cardinals aren't trading Paul Goldschmidt. I don't. Yeah, well, they might. I I, I can go so. back and forth on that. I I don't know if they would, but I think the Phillies are out on that anyway. I just I don't see the fit. I don't see many, how it No, works. there's no fit. There's no fit. It does not work. And I don't think he's going to get traded. 
Yeah, I mean, they can make another run at it next year. You know, exactly. they've still got a lot yeah, of talent. It's, it's the Cardinals. They're not. Yeah. They're not. They may trade some pieces away here if they really decide they're out of it, and they probably are out of it. But I don't see them trading Paul Goldschmidt. But it, it, bringing it more broad and more general, I think you need to have an eye on that sort of positional flexibility kind of thing and like real positional flexibility when you're talking about importing somebody, when you're talking about making a trade as, as July takes shape here. Because if you have somebody who's just locked into one position and it's a corner position, there's a lot of other, <laughs> a lot of other stuff you need to account for, a lot of other moving parts. Yeah. And it just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to lock in another player at one fixed position or DH when you already no, have so many guys who do that. Yeah, and that's why I think at this deadline you're looking for a rental type, right? You're looking for some right-handed pop that is a rental that you know can play a corner spot. And if you're locking yourself into that guy for two months, that's fine. Right. Yeah. You know, you, you you figure it out and and they do have a plan. Right. I mean, a Bryce to first, Bohm to third, Chorber to DH, and that opens up left field. And I would imagine you can find a right handed hitting left fielder with a little bit of pop. Like That's not a huge uh, that's not a huge ask, I don't think. And I, I know there's different names have been bandied about and we'll see. I mean, I, I think it's impossible to even like speculate on trades right now because literally we yeah. do not know who's going to be selling. We don't. I mean. I don't know. The central divisions really, really make this complicated because both in the AL and NL, because I don't think you can, you know, I don't think those teams are, are necessarily going to be selling unless it's the Cardinals. If they really feel like they're totally out of it, which I don't know if they will feel that way. Have you seen the Reds rotation? Like, I don't know. I mean, I was looking at the Brewers who are currently tied with the Phillies right now. Yeah, they have, they, <laughs> they're, there's their, uh, number two, uh, war producer right now can you guess who it is on the brewers the pitching yes. staff on the on the team as a whole but it is a pitcher i don't is it going to be somebody like i don't know brent Suter's not even there anymore no who is it julio tehran <laughs> oh that's right oh they brought julio tehran back from the dead he has a 1.53 in six starts anyway the brewers are <laughs> dead last in every offensive category this year not home runs. They've hit more home runs than the Phillies, which is funny. But they're 15th in runs, 15th in batting average, 15th in on base, 15th in slugs. They're tied with the Phillies right now. But they're like a few oh. games out in the Central. And like, I don't know, they might not sell. So the Central, is, the central divisions in both leagues are really going to make the deadline confusing. And uh, I, 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 it's really hard to speculate who's going to be available right now. So... I think right now, okay, if we're talking about we're talking about next year, we're talking about the deadline. How about like let's talk about like in the immediate, the next, you know, four weeks, five weeks before the deadline. What are you trying to do to make to make this better? And I think one of the answers you have to look at is like, do you pull the Derek Hall lever? And I I I think they'll they're going to consider it. I mean, like the reason why Hall wasn't brought back right away is because they liked what Cody Clemens was doing and I think Paul, you alluded to this uh, in a tweet. Don't look at what Cody Clemens has done in the last, uh, I don't know, two weeks. Oh boy! Oh, more than that, man. No, it's two, two for his last twenty-eight yeah. with a double, and it's probably getting time to like just swap them, right? And that's okay. Like Clemens goes and goes down and plays every day. Triple A Hall comes up, maybe gives you a little spark like he did last year. Maybe not. 
Um, I don't think Hall can come back until Thursday. I have to look. He was optioned and he has to spend 10 days in the minors. Right. Um, unless he's replacing an injured guy. So I, I don't think he can come back until later this week. And that, you know, so it's not like this is a, a transaction they could make today or tomorrow. So right. um, I do think it's something worth considering, don't you? No, absolutely. I I, I would be surprised if it doesn't not, happen. Right. And it's not to say that Derek Hall is like a, you know, uh, like a, you know, like the fixed everything that ails them. I, I don't think that it should be portrayed that way. No, I th- I think the bigger problem is that we knew Cody Clemens was probably not an everyday player. We had suspicions that Edmundo Sosa was probably not an everyday player. Sosa earned the shot to be an everyday player the way he started and has, you know, sadly been exposed. Um, the problem. When do you think how many more strikeouts until Edmundo Sosa gets a walk? He's at forty three to two right now. I just. <laughs> I, he got I get to a three zero count. He got to a three zero count at some point this week, and I was like, "Oh, oh my god, it's gonna happen! It's gonna happen!" It didn't happen. No, man, it it's tough. Like I, you know, he's a guy who can tap into a little bit of game power when he makes contact, but his swing decisions are just so bad right now. They're just so bad that he's thrown away at bats. His swing decisions are he's swinging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, the problem that this team has is that there are so many guys who are not surefire regulars guys who you know can handle five starts in six games even or more than that like are they, you putting got a few in that bucket now yes yes yeah. i think you have to yeah. and it, it yeah. saddens me but i think you have to demote him to that level you know you you have jt you have turner you have castellanos and harper and schwerber who are everyday players they are majorly caliber everyday probably players. there stott is moving up yeah. I'm just I'm being a little conservative with him because he's still new. But yeah, he's yeah. he's getting there for sure. Yeah. And at what are the two spots where you don't have a guy that, you know, is a regular that we we're First talking about third. First and third. And those are big spots to to have a, a vacancy. So I think their options are not great. You know, Hall isn't an everyday player. You know, he's he's a platoon guy. He mashes righties. Right. But the lefty I, look, he started out OK against lefties and they got hurt. I, I think the jury's still out there. They need something that's a little bit more reliable. Can't keep platooning everybody, especially at so many important positions. Can't expect, expect isn't the right word. You can't rely on somebody who can just disappear for two months at a time offensively. And that that goes for Bone, that goes for Sosa, that goes for Clemens, like that. Harrison. Harrison. You can't put too much faith in guys who are either no longer or never have been everyday players. And that is the problem. They probably have to pull. They got to pull the hair. I don't know. Not having a, you know, Sosa was, you know, for a few weeks was the guy, but not having a right-handed hitting infielder to help here has been a problem. You know, Harrison and Sosa yeah. really disappointed. You know, they tried the Drew Ross thing and he had one good game and that was cool. But <laughs> Guthrie was cool. is Guthrie's gone. Guthrie's um, gone. And I think Guthrie's a fine 26th man. I think you could have argued keeping him over Harrison, but I, I don't know. You're splitting hairs, I guess. Um, I do think it's funny that Gabe, just like last year when they got rid of Luke Williams, Gabe was the one who uh, ends up with the right-handed hitting utility guy from the Philly system. Gabe Kapler, um, yeah, of course. But yeah, Harrison disappointing. But I think it's been disappointing is that they haven't had a a, a lever to pull there, right? It's like, oh, okay, somebody AAA. Um, 
is better is a better option for us. So let's just do this. Let's release Harrison. Let's go with somebody else, a different right-handed hitting utility guy. You know, Kingery was going into the season. They thought maybe he'd be that guy, and he's just been okay. Hasn't been great. Yeah, yeah, just okay. Yeah, he's been fine. Like he's the guy I idly thought about the other day. Not that he's a slam dunk improvement, but just that. What if you try it? Yeah. <laughs> what if you try it? I mean. It's Josh hard Harrison, to be worse. Like, and I, and oh, yeah, man. it's hard to be worse. It's hard to be worse than, you know, that the aggregate of like Harrison Sosa, uh, Guthrie, you know, put them all, mash them all together. And I don't know how many plate appearances it is, but the numbers are, are not good. I mean, it's about, well, and- it's about, it's almost 300 plate appearances between those three guys. Yeah, that's a lot. And this is sort of like an organizational thing, a pattern, almost regardless of who's been in charge for the last 10 years or so. There is this hesitation when it comes to losing guys, guys who had proved at some point that they're major league contributors, really just generally guys who are out of options. It always feels like there's this really like, oh, we got to be sure before we pull this lever, because, you know, once you DFA Harrison, he's gone. Like I, I would need to look up his exact uh, rules around no, I mean, he writing because he's over ten yeah. years. And yeah, like, yeah, I, he, I takes, think probably, he takes great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's not. He's made a lot of money, and he's not giving a lot up if he refuses the money. If that's even eligible at this point, I don't know. Regardless, he'd be gone. He'd be gone. He, he wouldn't go to Triple A. Uh, not for the Phillies, anyway. And I feel like the team just uh, when it seems like. It's time for a move with somebody in that position, whether it's the guaranteed money or you have to expose them to waivers and potentially lose them. Like they just they hold back until they're really, really sure. And sometimes that works to their benefit. Sometimes it's to the detriment. Like that's that's baseball, I guess. They're doing that with Harrison now. I think it's been fait accompli for, you know, at least a week that so. that this is a guy who probably doesn't have a spot on this roster right now. If, if we're serious about needing a part-time guy who can play a few positions, right-handed hitter. Right. But it's one thing, answer. again, it's one thing to say that he shouldn't be on the roster. It's another thing to say, okay, here is the replacement. We know who replaces him. Exactly. Exactly. It's a multi-problem. They problem. They don't. I mean, maybe somebody comes on waivers and they like him. You know, I don't know. Um, it, it's not... Yeah, it's not it's not obvious. And and again, this is something you can address at the deadline. But if you're looking for something to fix right now in the immediate, you know, for this five week stretch here, uh, it's not obvious. Well, and I think Hall, I think Hall comes up. I mean, they they really are victimized by this point that like they're, they're a lot of their best performers at AAA all bat left handed. You know, Jake Cave, Simone yeah. Luziati, Derek Hall, like. Mm-hmm all left-handed hitting hitters, uh, which they have a lot of right now. Uh, so and we went over the numbers against lefties, you know, last podcast or two podcasts ago, and it's just not, it's not great. So, um, yeah, there, there, I think what, what, I guess what would be encouraging to me is that there are clearly spots where they can upgrade. Right. And, and, and the cost yeah. of upgrading is not prohibitive. No, you know, we're talking about a rental right-handed hitting corner outfielder we're talking about a right-handed hitting bench upgrade these are little moves around the edges that may not seem significant but could be could be pretty helpful for the Phillies because again the bar is low I mean they've been below replacement level uh, you know on a lot of spots on the roster right now and there are there are places where they can upgrade and and not for a huge cost and that's what gives me hope right 
like I remember talking last week, not totally ruling out some kind of big move, even though I didn't have a good idea of what that was at that point. I'm I'm walking that back a little bit. I think the last week or so has really kind of crystallized that, you know, what you're talking about is the need right handed hitting in some form or fashion whether it is both a starting caliber left fielder and a bench bat, or if it's just a bench bat, I I don't know. I think a lot of that depends on how they feel about Harper playing the field in a few weeks. You know, the next few weeks are going to be really big for that. And we'll see, (laughs) we'll see how that goes. That's another bridge to cross. Um, And how he's going to play there. Like, is he going to be playable at first base? I I don't doubt he's putting in the work, but Hey, we've, we haven't seen it before. We don't know how it's going to go. No, we don't. Um, Do you know what they need? Do you know what they need? what do, what do they need, Matt? What do they need? A time machine for Reese Hoskins. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Did you see Nick Maton got optioned? I did. Yeah, because they signed Johan Camargo to a minor league deal too. Oh my God, the they before. did. Yeah, they did. <laughs> wow. They How about did. David Robertson saying that the other day was the one of the best days of his life? He got he that. got his ring, and then he got two double play balls to get a save against the Phillies. What an ultimate, he seems like, I don't know, like Dave Robertson. How is he going to be remembered? Kind of like, uh, oh boy. (laughs) I mean, because the first contract was so bad. And then, you know, people are kind of like looking back at the trade and like, "Ah, I wish I wouldn't have done that. But, you know, he did get some big outs to him and he saved game one of the World Series. um, And then he went and signed with the Mets. It's like, how are you going to remember this guy? Was any of that, apart from signing with the Mets, his fault? I would say no. No, he 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 didn't choose to get hurt. He didn't get he didn't choose to get traded for Ben Brown, who no, he didn't. Seems like he could be an interesting arm, but is walking the world for the Cubs. Oh, is he? I haven't even. Checked the, yeah, he's walking a lot. He's walking a lot. Oh. Um, but he's interesting. He's a power arm at least, and if they get that figured out, then okay, fine, whatever. I I like David Robertson, and I don't hold any ill will against him. Like you said, he closed out a World Series game, and that should be it. Like that's 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 it. That's how he should be remembered. Will he be remembered that way? I don't know. Signing with the Mets complicates that. I understand. <laughs> it, you know, it's kind of like Billy Wagner going to the Braves, you know, in, in so many ways. Um, or, or Brad Lidge going to the Nationals. But yeah, I, I, I hold no ill will. Honestly, what, what can I hold against the guy? He got hurt. The money isn't mine. I didn't pay for him, and it was covered by insurance, probably. Who cares about that? He comes back to the team. Yeah, he's a little iffy, but he closed the World Series game. Like you said, that's it. That's where it stops for me. That's where the period hits. To go full circle here, and I'm sorry for bringing up all these random things, but Harper, <laughs> no, Harper, Harper has a 280 slug, right, uh, in this 25-game stretch, mm-hmm. and that's the worst he's had in a 25-game stretch since 2016. Since 2016, okay. Wow. So he had a little he had a little stretch. It looks like he had about two stretches in 2016 where he really just did not hit for power. And um, what did he finish with that year? He finished with a 441 slug and 24 homers. Pedestrian for him. Yes. Well, okay. I it's so hard to make anything of him because you look at the season line, getting back to Harper here, and he's a you know a 399 slug, which stands out as weird. 286 average, 390 on base. That's normal for him. I don't know. It's weird. It is weird, but I, I also think that he just needs to hit one over the fence. Just one. Just one. Just one one measly dinger. We went this entire podcast talking about pitching, and it's great. It is. No, and I think that's like, 
it is refreshing because I guess we can talk about it now. Tyron Walker has been so much better. He, he got his ERA below Nola's. Like that's the kind of run he's been on here. And the bullpen's still been good, even though Alvarado is is a- accelerating in his descent back to earth a little bit here. And there have been times. The, how about the that little uh, crotch thrust? That was kind of <laughs> weird, huh? <laughs> he's a weird guy. I, I try said, not to read said, too he much. He said he he said the dugout was talking shit to him. Oh really? That's why he was pissed, and I was like, okay. But I don't know, kind of weird, weird timing. He'd given up a home run and like, you know, down by three, like, you know, weird timing. But, you know, Alvarado, he's he's uh, he's, he's a passionate guy. You know, he's 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 uh, he's going to do whatever he wants. He's clearly got beef with the Mets and we need to have beef with the Mets in order to make things lively. You know, like <laughs> his guy, the guy that he had beef with is gone. He's not even there anymore. Dom Smith. Well, but yeah, I guess he's just got beef with the Mets in general. Yeah, good. We all do. It doesn't matter who's wearing the laundry. Mets. We just have issue with the I laundry. I don't know. The Mets. The Phillies aren't going to see the Mets again for a while, and I don't know what that's going to look like in September. What do you mean? That's that. I mean, like, what is it going to look like when the Phillies play the Mets in September? Are the Mets totally out of it? Are, the, you know, are they both going for a wild card spot? I mean, it's going to be... I don't think they play each other again until... September 21. So six, no Braves six, until the eleventh. No, Mets the Mets. The yeah. So the so seven of the Phillies' last thirteen games of the season are against the Mets. That could be interesting because maybe the Mets are f- totally out of it. I would like for them to be. I don't think they will be. I don't, I don't know something either, but <sighs> something tells me they won't sell off. I have a hard time thinking they're going to cut bait on a lot of guys. They should still have enough of a roster to be like pesky at the very least. Yeah. And I'm not just talking about then. I'm talking about for the rest of the season. So one last thing, we're not going to record next week, at least yes. at the beginning of the week for the July 4th holiday. And I don't know if this is going to hold and it's going to depend on whether there's rainouts or changes in the schedule or whatever. But right now on July 4th in Tampa at the world's most amazing ballpark, I do love the trop, <laughs> the current project. Projected pitchers are Aaron Nola against Zach Eflin. And I, Paul, am really hoping that happens. Those guys are our best of friends. Eflin was in Nola's wedding. Uh, I think that would be awesome. That would be really fun. That does sound like it would be cool. I do I do miss Eflin a little bit. I understand all the circumstances and everything, why he, he left and the Phillies didn't resign him, blah, blah, blah. It's nice to see him have a, a good little run here with Tampa Bay. Um, hopefully he keeps that up and then throws us a bone and does not keep it up for that one start next week. I would appreciate that, Zach, because I know you're listening. Definitely. I mean, I'd like to see them both pitch well and, and have a good game. No, no, sorry, Zach. I, I, I don't share the same view as Matt. It's time to throw one. Gotcha. <laughs> no, that's good looking ahead, though. I, I feel like it's been a minute since we've had a, a nice little clash with um, with a former pitcher like that just in general yeah they missed noah syndergaard they did (laughs) (laughs) philly's legend noah syndergaard we're gonna face drew smiley this week who even remembers drew smiley at this point (laughs) like who remember when the big deadline it's a big deadline drew smile drew drew smiley and jason vargas Vargas. i remember jason vargas that's vargy vargy get out of here with vargy all right we need to call it the Phillies won their series against the Mets. Hooray. They don't see them for two and a half months. 
Very strange. Very strange. They they are 40 and 37. Baseball reference has their postseason odds as creeping back above 25%. Hooray. Get excited about that. Um, they have a quick little jaunt out against the Cubs, then they come back against the Nats, and then that uh, Florida series, like Matt mentioned. We will not be recording early next week around the holiday. We'll get back at you later that week to recap all the wonderful things that probably happened in that Marlin series, because we know those always go well. <laughs> Matt, you will be in Florida for that. I'm doing, I'm doing Florida week. Philly's Florida, Florida week, week. That's what we're calling it. Yeah. Yeah. Florida week. <laughs> like, like shark week, but shark week. Grizzlier. <laughs> Grizzlier. Yes. <laughs> more more Great. humid yeah more hu- oh god all right so the, the phillies have some momentum i guess you could call it that after losing two out of a phantom three to atlanta i guess that's just the reality we live in now they'll beat everybody but atlanta when they need to still work to be done still roster holes to be patched up and things to address as july creeps in and we are we are certainly going to have a lot to talk about as as july matures and we get closer to the trade deadline i think is august 1st i i need to actually brush up yes. yes august 1st the phillies are an imperfect team in playoff contention does that sound familiar they need some guys to step it up before they can really address what they need in trade so i i think hopefully it's just a matter of dominoes whether it's harper hitting a home run or alec bohm getting out of whatever's sapping his strength or maybe trey turner for the third time is beginning to go on a bit of a run who knows we'll see we should know more in a week and a half, and we'll catch you. We'll catch you then. Hopefully, you all have a nice holiday here in America. Enjoy your fourth. Enjoy the fireworks. Enjoy a nice little cookout or barbecue. For Matt, who's always got good stuff over at the Athletic, go check him out. Uh, for Matt, I am Paul. We'll catch you in a little bit. Go Phils.